Hello, I'm Liz Jones. If you read my diary in the Mail on Sunday's You magazine, then you'll know me and my life pretty well. But if you've always wanted to know more, this is the place for you. Welcome to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast. I'll be taking you behind the scenes of this week's column before digging back into the archives to find some of the most shocking and hilarious stories from the last 20 years. I'll be doing all this with the help of my assistant, friend and confidant, Nick. Hello. When this song came out, I just loved it. I played it. It was one. It was on my little tape recorder, and I just played it and played it and played it. I played that album constantly. I used to sing that song all the time. Yeah. Love it. You can't beat it. It's chick. You cannot listen to that song and not start tapping your feet. And I loved her makeup in the video as well. The yeah. Pastely eyes. Just, just, she's just so beautiful though, isn't she? Yeah. I mean, she's literally just so beautiful. So Nick has sneaked off. I snuck she off. She got out of her sick bed to go and see the Whitney Houston film, I Want to Dance with Somebody. Yeah, I didn't realise it was, it was out uh, already. I thought it was out after New Year and I, I was looking through and I thought oh, I'll just see what's on I saw that I was like oh my god I've got to go I've been waiting for this I'm gone I'm gone so I picked the mother up and off we went so who plays Whitney Houston uh Whitney Houston is played by Naomi Aki yeah I've heard of her I haven't I haven't but I have to say she was absolutely fantastic I mean she doesn't particularly look like Whitney but she has obviously really, really worked so hard. Did she have Whitney's hair? She did. Well, she had all the different wigs on. But she's obviously worked so hard to study her mannerisms and how so she So was Whitney's is. hair in the bodyguard a wig? Yes. Pretty how much do you know her, that? Pretty much all of her hair How was do you a wig. know her? Because I thought the best thing about the bodyguard, apart from Kevin Costner, was her hair. Oh, Kevin Costner. Oh, and her outfits, the jumper in the snow. She had Mr. Yeah. Walton for a dad. No, she wore lots of wigs. But and you know, like some people, they over-egg it. So the women that played Diana, I thought they over-egged the eye movements and the looking up through the lashes and the, the voice and the puffy speaking. And they just sort of overdo it. They try and imitate them. And because they're imitating them, they just over-imitate. Whereas... This this actress, absolutely perfect. She was so believable. It's like when Kenneth Branagh played Laurence Olivier in My Week with Marilyn. He doesn't physically look like Laurence Olivier, no. but there were snatches where he absolutely got the essence and the steeliness of that man. Embodiment, yes. He just and it was the same in the Elton John biopic. He did capture Elton John without sort of physically yeah. looking like him. Yeah, no, and she doesn't particularly look like her. I mean, but I believed it. I believed it. And, and you know, there was a bit some criticism that she was miming to Whitney. 
but you wouldn't know. She does it absolutely brilliantly. Um, and, and and why would anyone try and, and sing like Whitney? You I can't. do. You can't. I try. But you can't. I try. But you can't, though. But I do. But we all know you can't, I though. try. Is it, though? No, you can't, though. And it was quite funny because we went into the cinema and the cinema was full of all these couples and you could see all the men have been arm wrestled. You know, it's Chris. It's 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 Christmas. It's Christmas. I did all the washing up. You're coming. You are. So you've got your coming of couples, like middle aged couples, with all the women like, oh, you know, this is fantastic, and all the men like, oh, for God's sake, oh, for God, and you could just see that they were forced in there. Did you cry during the film? Do you know what? It did make me really emotional. What I I loved about this film, and there was there's been quite a lot of criticism about it. You were saying it had really bad reviews. It had really bad reviews in the Times, yeah. Yeah, and you know, I mean, I know from the Times one 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 um, thing I said is God smackingly awful and has no interest whatsoever in tackling the fascinating contradictions at the heart of Houston's success. It, that's rubbish. It is far from God smackingly awful. I think what the, the problem was is we all like the drama, don't we? So every time you get a biopic, it's about how their lives are destroyed and how they're taking every drug and how they're out of control and, and all the drama of everything that goes with that. And this was done very Yeah, like with The Crown, you have Diana throwing up, but you don't have Diana sitting having a pedicure no no and this was done very differently this was what much more my biopic would be me sitting having a pedicure it would every two shell weeks. like feet every two weeks shell like feet my absolutely they are my best part my feet yeah my feet are not good the horses have stood on my feet too and they're more like crows oh her feet are awful they're sort of like crows her feet are awful aren't they? they're not good but <laughs> Her feet are like, you see those abused donkeys left for years and their toes curl up. Yeah, that's what the colours are like. They're more like, they're not good. I have to admit, they're particularly unattractive. I was looking at them the other day, it's not good. But back to the film, the difference in this film is it's very empathetic to her. It shows her talent. It showcases the really positive relationships in her life, you know, that she did have people that supported her. She did have relationships. It starts off with, with her meeting Robin and there was a lot of talk, wasn't there, about whether she was in a relationship with with Robin. And oh, I think she definitely was. No, this is how it starts. This is how the film starts, that, you know, with her relationship with Robin, which is really nice. And it, it's a shame that changes and, and why it changes. I'm not going to talk too much about it because... I'm sure people will want to see it. Um, but it's all about her being controlled, and I found it quite Well, sad. it would be nice to be invited, wouldn't it, everyone? You never... Every time I say to you, I'm going to see this in the cinema, you, and you're like, no, can't can't leave Gracie, can't leave... So I go and see something, see if it's worth seeing, and I offer to look after Gracie so you can see it. That's how it works. And what I thought was really sad was... was she starts off quite feisty. She's got opinions, the way she wants to do things. Her mum is is a talented singer and she's trying to get Whitney to, to do it really right. You know, she wants her to sing properly. She's She really sort of comes down quite hard on her and she stands up to her mum and she's sort of a, very much her own person and you see this dissipate throughout the film that the more people sort of like get involved, the more people that try and sort of control her, she loses herself and that, that sort of becomes really sad. And there's a point in the film 
where she sort of finds herself again. You know, when she f- finds out about Bobby Brown going out and um, with another woman, and she's got, and she's get out of my house. It's my house. Get out of my house. And you sort of see her come back. Is the daughter in it? The daughter is in it. The daughter's in it as a child, and she's in it as a, as an adult as well towards the end. And and I love that because. What we also saw was a really positive relationship with Robin, who even when their relationship finished, they still continued to be best friends and she still fought for Whitney. She still tried to look after her. And her manager, Clive. Clive was um, played by Stanley Tucci, who I love. I think he's... Tucci, 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 Tucci. That sounds like Tucci is in bum, doesn't it? Clive Davis, you mean. Clive Davis. And it showed... He really supported her. He's like, what do you want to do? You know, you're the artist. He worked really collaboratively with her. And when her dad wanted her to do a tour of 70 shows because of the money problems that he'd created, dad had created, Clive, her manager, was like, no, you can't do that. It's too much. You can't do that. It's too much. And he would try to protect her throughout like her career. And it was really nice to see that because... You always get the drama. You talk to me the drama, the taking drugs, everyone taking too much out of it. And this wasn't like that. This was softer. And it just, it really made me feel so emotional about it. And there was one part which I really liked where there was a, a radio interview and she was accused of not being black enough. Her music wasn't black enough. And she said, you know, like she's, I'm not black enough. I'm not white enough. But music doesn't have a colour. Music doesn't have boundaries. And I, I really love that because obviously she really said that. She said it during a chat show, didn't she, in real life? I don't know. It was an inter- it was an interview in uh, sorry, a radio interview. Yeah, in, in real life I think she was she was questioned on a chat on a chat show. And I thought, what a great thing to say, because I remember when uh, George Michael was he won he won a Black Award, didn't he, for black music? And it was criticised. But music's music, isn't it? It shouldn't have boundaries. It shouldn't be controlled by what colour you are. It should be controlled by what you like and what you embrace and what you enjoy. So I thought it was a really, really good film. Yesterday. Yes, oh God help me. I only met Whitney Houston once. And it was at the Dolce Gabbana show in Milan and she was front row with Bobby Brown and she was literally hanging on to Bobby Brown as though he was a helium balloon about to disappear (laughs) as all these beautiful models walked past. I never understand why women take their husbands to fashion shows. I remember Trudy Styler took Sting. I can't remember what show it was, but she was literally hanging on to Sting for dear life. But all these really young girls walked past. What do these women think is going to happen? They're going to leap up on the stage and sort of grab one and run. If they like possibly, supermarket well, might be, if, if my husband, he probably would have. <laughs> do you know what? Martin wouldn't even notice them. He wouldn't even notice it. He'd only notice if they were carrying a beer. Is he a eunuch? No, he's just not interested. He's just not interested. That's why he's going out with you then. Because he's just not interested. <laughs> Well, I've just seen She Said. Oh, I want to see that. Is it good? Which is a film about the uncovering of the abuse by Harvey Weinstein. And it focuses on two New York Times reporters. So Megan Toohey is played by Kerry Mulligan. And Jodie Cantor is played by Zoe Kazan. And they're these two women 
their their editor is female actually, but they're working in a busy newsroom and they're doing this story. They start to hear things. They start to hear stories about Harvey Weinstein and they speak to actresses and people who used to work for the Weinstein organisation. Um, so I loved it because it's a newspaper office and it's reporters and everything. They they don't seem to wear much in the office. They just sort of seem to wear vest tops and they don't spend a lot of time sitting at their desks. Mostly they're running around with their phones taking really important phone calls while they're looking out a window or drinking coffee, whereas actually you would do that call at your desk, record it, double record it, make notes, etc. So it's all quite casual, and it tries to make journalism and writing more active than it actually is. So it's sort of sexed up a little bit. Yeah, and they're sort of running around in vest tops. And it's quite true in that when they go and interview someone they'll go and doorstep someone so the husband of an ex-employee they'll knock on the door and they do what all journalists do they pretend to be nice hello I'm so sorry to interrupt you and you're clearly gardening and oh you're so all your children are so lovely and I can always come back tomorrow and I've flown all this way and that's what you do you see you just pretend whenever you interview someone Apart from Bruce Willis, who I did really like, you pretend you really like them. And that you care. Yeah. When all you want is the scoop. And, you know, you you turn up with flowers and you're just so nice to them, but your brain is meanwhile ticking away. So that sort of seduction of the journalist is really well done, that you pretend that you're a really nice person, you smile at them and compliment them in the hope that they tell you something that you then put on the wrong page. run away and print really quickly. But both of the women are married with children. And it made me think, God, if you're an investigative reporter on the New York Times, how on earth do you have time to have children? And the husbands are so supportive. They're holding the baby. They don't mind when she comes in late. They make her food. And it isn't like that. You You know, when I was married, I was working on the evening standard. I get into the office at 5.30 in the morning. I wouldn't get home till 8.30 at night. I'd still be getting calls from the editor after she'd had her dinner. I've had, I come out of the restaurant. What have we got for tomorrow, Liz? You know, all my husband did was moan. Well, 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 I'm going to bed. I'm turning, I've got to be up for yoga. No, I haven't got squeaky special biscuits. No, I haven't fed the cats. No, there's nothing in the fridge. No, there's no fizzy water. I don't think most husbands are that supportive of women like these two who won the Pulitzer Prize for this. Any women, I don't think. If I can get a cup of tea out of Martin when I get in, like, from ravaged by the storm, you know, at 10 o'clock at night, everyone in like... Well, I think they should, have no, given the no. Pulitzer, they should have given the Pulitzer Prize to the two husbands, what yeah. they put up with. And it's also <laughs> quite funny. It never portrays the actual writing of the story. Yeah. It's all the interview and then they go and meet Gwyneth and they meet Gwyneth's assistant leads them to the pool. I want you to do that. When people come to meet me, you lead them to the pool, even though we don't have one. Well, this I'd is really my like if we had a pool. This is my assistant. I'm lead you to the pool. And pool, nice. Ashley Judd plays herself in the film. You don't actually see Gwyneth. You don't actually see Harvey Weinstein, just sort of the back of a big sort of blob. I mean, God, who would want to, who would, you know, they, he said it was consensual. No one would consent to have sex with him. He's too revolting. No. Isn't he? No, 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 no. I've seen him. No, no. Not enough money. No. 
No. So the whole film is building up to this, you know, publishing it in the paper. And then all the managing editors says to these two women, right, go and write it. So the writing of it is just like, oh, oh, there it is. It's like, go and write it. So the writing of it is the least consequential thing. It's all the yeah flying to London to interview someone and the phone calls and the coffee shops. The actual writing, you don't see it at all. And if anyone's been in the room when you're writing, they'll know that's not true. You have to be very careful how you approach, didn't you? I remember you made a certain someone beep if they come up behind you. If anyone you. came up behind me, he had to beep like a lorry yeah. reversing, so yeah. I wasn't taken by surprise and put a colon where it should be a semicolon. No, no. Or, or if you go to speak, this can actually see your intention to speak and the hand will come up and say, no, don't, don't speak, don't interrupt me. No, no, it's a big... It's, it's a, it's a big but there's sort, of no, there's sort of no respect given to writers, really, because it is a job and it is really, really hard. Yeah, sure. Not many people can do it. And people just think you're sitting there drinking coffee. I think probably people have a perception it's easier than it is, that it just sort of flows out of you. It's actually really, really hard. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure. You know? I mean, you can muck out a stable quicker than me, but I can do 800 words in 17 minutes. I can muck and out they... a stable so you can drop a sandwich and pick it up and eat it and it would be clean enough. I'm proud of that. Yeah, but I'm just saying, we each have our skills. Of course, yeah. But no one respects mine. Well, I think, I think you are respected. I think you are respected. By who? By nobody. Everybody. That's why you are where you no, are No, if something today. happens and someone always says to me, oh, well, Liz, you can put that in your column... It doesn't work like that. No. It's actually an art. I'm no, an no. artist. I think people around you, I think the thing is, because of the nature of your diary. It's not a diary, it's a <laughs> Please don't wind me up. I'm not winding you up, but it's called the Liz Jones Diary. That's what it's called. It's just a play on Bridget, isn't it? I That's know why. that, but you can't be offended when people call it a diary. I can. You because can't. I can, because it's my work and I own it, therefore I can be whatever well, I want. Get it rechanged to Liz Jones's column, then you cannot be offended. But because of the nature of, of what you write, people expect, don't they, that anything that they do will But be it's not as easy included. as just, oh, someone ran over my cat, I'm just going to type that. Of course not. It's not as easy as of that. Of course not. So did you, did, did you like the film? Is it worth me watching? I don't think you're really. I know because I think it's. I think it's sort of too in for journalists, really. So you don't think. People like me. What was the other thing I watched that was all about journalists? I said you probably wouldn't like it. But it's like all the president's men. I've never seen anyone in a newspaper office who looked like Robert Redford. Shame. Never. He not. He wasn't there. He doesn't exist. They're all. They're just not attractive. It's not fair, is it? Really. So, do you want to hear about this week's column? It's not a diary. <laughs> Go on then, give us the column. Right, so this week's column... She could be a dirty look there. It all began on New Year's Day in my 65th year of being single. Once again, I found myself on my own. Do you recognise that line? I do. That is the only slightly bastardised first line from Bridget Jones's diary, a film which when seen through fresh eyes today, is all too likely to give offence, given it contains relatives who grope, a character calls the Japanese a very cruel race, and the only person of colour is Salman Rushdie, 
Auschwitz is mentioned in a joke, as well as that now-banned word when referring to women, fat. But it remains, despite all this, and the fact the Daily Mail forced me to wear, on an evening out, the actual prosthetic breasts used in the film. I had to go out with my girlfriends for the evening. Wearing Bridget Jones boobs? The actual Bridget Jones boobs that Rennie Selvager wore. Are there pictures? Yeah, I'm sure there were pictures. Oh, we, we'll didn't just, a... we didn't just illustrate my features in those we'll days. To, I'm going to have a look for that. And if I can find them, I'm going to put them on Twitter. Anyway, Bridget Jones Diary is still one of my all-time favourite films of all time. Close runner-up is The Holiday. This, despite the fact Kate Winslet's character, working very long hours on a newspaper, gets home to her little dog late at night, having left him home alone for hours. Why doesn't she have a dog sitter? Don't know. Why doesn't she employ somebody? Things like that really get my goat. I always worry about the dog in a film. If there's a dog in a film, I know I'm going to be stressed. No, same. And anyway, Kate Winslet, despite the fact she leaves her dog at home the whole time, and then lets a stranger keep the dog for two weeks while they swap houses, what's that about? Would you no. do that with your dog? Not even happening. Not Cameron Di- No, I wouldn't trust Cameron Diaz as far as I could throw her. Not, not happening. Mind you, they'd still be swapping the houses back if they had Boris. <laughs> and she still gets a boyfriend. In real life, Kate Winslet snubbed me on the BAFTA's red carpet, saying to her publicist, I'm not going to talk to Liz Jones. Well, at least she knew who you were. Instead, the publicist brought over Cuba Gooding Jr. He was wheeled over to the fashion enclosure, and we are actually in a pen. And they put us at the end of the long roof outside the Royal Opera House. So when it's raining, all the rain comes to the end and drips onto the people in the fashion pen. Thanks for that. So I'm standing there being dripped on, and I had only one question prepared, because I thought I was going to get Kate Winslet. How long did it take you to get ready? And so Cooper Gooding Jr. said, well, about five minutes. And that was that? And that was that. (laughs) He was quite frightened, actually. <laughs> it's not a very original question, even to Kate <laughs> Third favourite film is Sleepless in Seattle. I love the houseboat. Do you love the houseboat? I love the houseboat. Featuring Meg Ryan as a deranged journalist, Hollywood is but a mirror, <laughs> who stalks Tom Hanks, so in hires a private Cassidy. detective. I've done that. Uncanny. Oh, this dear. Sleepless in Seattle is really about me, isn't it? Lizzie in London. Do you get like your eye? Did you see something on, on, on a film and think, oh, that's a good idea. I'm going to do that. Or is it the other way no, around? No, I did it first. I was going to say, or is it the other way around? And she still gets her man rather than a custodial sentence. I'm writing this column in mid-December. An email has just popped into my inbox, a group message from Tom, my nephew in Australia. Whenever I see his name, I expect the worst. His mum, my sister Lynn, has been very ill for years. But today, it's good news. Hope you're all doing splendidly, he says. Just a quick update. Mum is doing well. No huge dramatic medical issues to report. However, I decided that she was going to be super stubborn and refuse to open the door whenever death knocked. I might try to make her time in the facility a little more tolerable. So I got her a tablet, laptop. Now... I know you're all thinking, Tom, you have lost your mind. Carolyn couldn't possibly learn how to work one of those. 
and you'd be right. My sister Lynn has never owned a mobile phone. So who's Carolyn? Lynn. That's the same oh, name. Oh, is that it? her name? Yeah. I've never heard her called anything but Well, she's Carolyn, but she's Lynn or Lenny, isn't she? Oh, it's not that much of a stretch, really. It was a stretch for me, Jones. It was a stretch for me. Just trying to explain the concept of a password to unlock the damn thing took the better part of an hour. But I stuck with it and I think it mostly stuck. Basically, Tom goes on, I loaded it with a few apps to help with her memory, cognition, music, etc. Yesterday. <laughs> but also Skype. So that's where you all come in. If you have Skype, great. If you don't, get it. These plans will, of course, change in about three days when she drops it and smashes it. Anyway, get back to me when you can. Peace. I love his sunny optimism. He's so optimistic. How old is he? Well, I'd say he's mid-twenties now. I've never heard someone in their mid-twenties say, I hope you're doing splendidly. That's rather sweet. I like that. But he's so positive and he's so handsome. No, he's very handsome. That's why I was asking how old he was. <laughs> I've been so busy worrying this year. You know, 2022, Nick, I have achieved nothing. I haven't achieved anything in 2022. Absolutely nothing. Nothing, 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 nothing. Not, not for lack of trying, no. You've, you've, you've tried really incredibly hard. It's been circumstances around you that have thwarted you, isn't it? You, you genuinely have worked really hard to try and get some stuff off the ground. But nothing. I've achieved nothing. Columnist of the year. Oh, yeah. That's quite a... That's an, how could you forget that? Anyway, I've been so busy worrying about myself, work, having to move house... I've barely given my sister in Australia a thought. The only time I seriously decided to go there was to stalk Nigel, the Liam Neeson lookalike photographer. I bought new hand-row knickers and a suitcase. Then the pandemic happened. I wouldn't have been allowed into the country, let alone a care home. I googled the current rules for travelling to Sydney. Surely they allow people like me into the country. I'm unvaccinated. I'm like virgin. Not quite. I am, because I haven't been vaccinated. I, I, I think we'll look for a different word, though. <laughs> I've read your But book. now I'm, al- I'm allowed in. So, rather than buy gifts for ungrateful bastards, or even buy a tree, I book my ticket. For once in my life, I'm travelling economy. I'm sending Linny a Christmas card with my dates and a Paul McCartney limited edition postage stamp when they issued... The book of Paul McCartney postage stamps. I bought. I was one of the first to buy them. They did postage stamps for Paul McCartney with his picture on. Right. When was this? Well, I've got the first. They're up there. I got the first edition. Don't post them, you fool. They're probably worth. I've sent one. I've sent one already. I've I've ruined the set. They must be worth money. So she'll look at the envelope, see Paul McCartney, and then she'll go. Yesterday. Yesterday. <laughs> he sounds so depressed when he sings it, doesn't he? Yes, it is very depressing. Linny was a 60s dolly bird. So beautiful. You she see, was. Yeah. She, that picture, you've got a beautiful picture of her in a frame, haven't you? Oh, Stunning. Ev- I mean, every man who ever saw Linny just fell in love with her. And then she quick 
quickly morphed into being a 70s hippie because the 60s Dolly Bird only lasted about three years. But then, she's got that sort of hippie look, hasn't she, with her hair? Yeah. She looks like she should wear flowers in her hair. Yeah. She's got that look. She, so she dyed her hair black and she learned to play the guitar. But to me, Linny will always be Bridget. Blonde, ditzy. The only shop Linny ever went to in London was Debenhams. I'm off to Debenhams, she said. I'm off to Debenhams. I, you say, where's your jacket from, Linny? She said, I got it in Debenhams. <laughs> and she never knew her way around London, even though she worked at the National Heart Hospital for years and years and years. I think she and Diana slept with the same man, but I won't go into that here. Oh, oh. And you'd, you'd, you'd say to Lynn to meet you somewhere or go somewhere, and she'd say, well, which way is it from Debenhams? Sort of sounds a bit like me. All the years I worked in London, I had no idea where I was going. But Bridget found a happy ending, while Linny, like most of us, did not. Her eldest son's death from leukaemia when he was 21 broke her marriage and her heart. I'm hoping to patch it up just a little. Oh, that's exciting. You may regret economy to Australia. I'm already keeping my legs in the air. I think I've got some of them stocking things from when I had my last operation. I could bring them for you. The I nice bet, thick white ones. I better not have another facelift because you can't fly too soon after that. No. No. What if you bumped into Nigel while you're there? Well, I don't think I'm allowed to, because he got a dog with someone, didn't he? He did get a puppy with someone. I don't want to break up a dog home. No, definitely not a dog home, no. Do you want to hear my moans? Yeah, let's hear your moans. Right, the first moan is mainly aimed at Nicola. (laughs) People who say this is going to be your year, it never is. But let's be optimistic. I, I think this year is going to be different. I think. But you coming, said that last. No, I do. I've got a good feeling about twenty twenty three. I have. I've got a good feeling about it. Features in magazines with the headline "New Year, New You," as Bridget Jones would say, bugger off. Yes, nothing wrong with the old us. Adverts for dreadful package holidays. You've no sooner eating the toffee coin from Quality Street and you're bombarded with dreadful package holidays adverts. Apparently there's Easter eggs in some shops now. Already. Already. Anyway, I am telling you that this year, everyone, everyone who listens to this podcast, boycott Turkey. Do not go on holiday to Turkey. It's been shooting and poisoning street dogs, dumping them in the forest to starve. Horrendous. And do not go anywhere, Mike Tindall. And who's the girl married to Mike Tindall? Zara. Zara. Don't go and watch things involving sea mammals. Why did they do that after I'm a celebrity? Why did they go and see? I don't know. I was appalled by that. I think strip them of their titles if they have them. No, they haven't got any. Well, strip them of something. Yeah. If it's someone other than Mark Tindall, I'd probably say, yeah, strip him, but no, not no, not Mark no, Tindall. No, 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 no. You can read this week's diary in full on Man on Sunday's You magazine. Now, we are recording this just before New Year's Eve. We are. 
We are the start of a new year where it's going to be our year. <laughs> so I'm going to go back. Da, da, da. In time. To, to the, the beginning of 2014. So it's New Year's Eve 2013. This is this is this is quite a cringy one, isn't it? So this is New Year's Eve 2013. So if you have an awful time on Saturday night, just think of me in this column and say, no, Lizzie had a worse time. It's possible. See, when just now going into Mercury retrograde, which lasts until the eighteenth or nineteenth. No, it's it's to do with the planets. Mercury is about communication. The planets about communication. So it is a time where we can be misunderstanding each other. Where we should really read documents very carefully. I thought you we said it was going to be my year. No, it is going to be. It is. It's going to be a. Don't a year. throw a spanner in the world. But over like, the next couple of weeks, no. we just need to be very careful about communication. Well, you be careful. No, all of us. We just need to be careful I'm, about I don't how need we to be careful. how we take things. Don't sign anything without reading it a hundred <sighs> times. Just That's for the next job. couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm going to be very careful. Very careful. Anyway, New Year's Eve, 2013. It all started out so well. I got dressed. J-brand toothpick jeans, black Alexander Wang tank, black blazer, and we drove to his friend's party. So far, so good. In the car, I said, I wouldn't rather be anywhere else in the world with anyone else. Well, I can look back on New Year's Eve 2013 and say it was perfect. I was with David. We walked into the party and downstairs to the kitchen. I used to have a lovely London house like this, I thought to myself, for the millionth time. It was a sort of big mansion near Stockwell in Brixton. Everyone was really friendly and remembered me from the bonfire night party. It was the same crowd. I had a glass of champagne. For once, I wasn't dreading midnight, as tonight I had someone to kiss. I asked David whether if we weren't together now or hadn't met in 1983, he would come over and chat me up. Of course I would. You're stunning. I'd be a bit intimidated, though. At midnight, I got a text from him. Happy New Year. You look great. I fancy you, David. See, he was quite sweet, really. Something. Well, it soon went off, actually, this night. It soon went bad. I was going to say, so far, so good. Yeah. We're doing okay so far. We've got to midnight, which is good. Anyway, a couple of his friends started talking about something that had happened at the bonfire party a month before. I can never hear what people are saying, especially at parties, so I looked anxiously at David for a translation. I will tell you in the car on the way home, he said. I, was, duh, I, duh, I, I hate it. it. Oh. I'll tell you tomorrow. Oh, come, come and see me because there's something I want to tell you. Oh, just tell me. No, I, no, no, no. Anyway, so I was really worried. No, what, I said, tell me now. He took me through the French windows and out into the garden. A woman at the bonfire party wrote online on Mum's net that she snort, saw you snorting cocaine that night. I reeled on my heels. What? Why would she do that? Why would she write that? Why didn't you tell me? People at the party could see we were having a confrontation. 
and people would come out in the garden to watch us, drinks in hand, then turn round and go back in again. We were like a spectator sport. <laughs> anyway, David said, I don't know. I don't know why she did it. I, when I found out, I contacted her and told her to retract it, which she did. She said she doesn't know why she did it. She said she was drunk and thought it was funny. We have yeah. ostracised her from the group. No one invited her tonight. That's not good enough, is it? Wow. I mean, that is not funny. But that's li- That's liable. No, that's, that's just nasty. That's just not I'm at all acceptable. someone who has never even smoked no. a cigarette. Absolutely not. Why does no one do anything about it? It's as though I've been thrown to the wolves, eaten by the wolves, to quote Megan. You see, we're twins. As one. Week in, week out, and people can lie about me and ruin my life. I became more and more upset. Why didn't you tell me at the time? I could have sued her. I could have written about it. I've been turned into Nigella Lawson. (laughs) You told me not to tell you about comments made about you, but I need you to be on my side. I am on your side. I went in, reeling with shock, leaving him standing, confused, bewildered, hurt in the cold. I went upstairs. I wanted to go home, but I knew I'd never get a cab on New Year's Eve in bloody Brixton. He came up to join me. Are you trying to call a cab, he said, seeing me fiddle with my phone. We left and got in the car. Why are you shooting the messenger, he said, and he could see in the streetlights my face was wet. Do you know then what he said? What did he say? So his friends lie about me. Do you know then what he said? Go on. I'm feeling a lot of negativity, he said, and I don't like it. Because obviously it's all about him. Obviously. I am trying not to be negative, I said. I just wanted one New Year's Eve where I had a nice time that I could look back on and remember fondly that wasn't like Thailand when my husband fell asleep before the fireworks. So this is worse than Thailand? You made me tell you. Because everyone was talking about it at the party. It was weird. and I wanted to know why people were being weird. You're a self-fulfilling prophecy, went on lighting another roll up. You say your job ruins your life, but you allow it to. What if I said a woman tweeted that you poisoned her in your cafe? Wouldn't you be angry? Yes, I would. You got and I and also what made me most angry is you didn't tell me about it at the time. Yeah, yeah, because it's not it's not a good thing to say. It's not acceptable, and you don't want people talking behind your back when you're actually somewhere there. It's just not nice. No. No, none of it's none of it's good. Just none of it's good. We got nearer and nearer to my flat and I considered asking him not to come up, but the traffic was so bad I felt too mean, telling him to drive all the way back to his home in Camberwell. We went upstairs silent and went to bed. Another New Year's Eve ruined in tatters. Yeah, I mean, they did take it off of line, didn't they? They took it They took it off. It was retracted. But not before everyone saw it. No, no. And the trouble is... is but no one did anything about as it. As soon as it goes online, as soon as someone says it, it's fact, isn't it? Even though it's completely untrue, even though it's rubbish, as soon as someone's written it as if they know what they're talking about, everyone believes it. You know, and this is... We talked about it last week, and I've been thinking about it. Even someone tweeting that I have sex with my cats or that I'm really old or that they saw me at bonfire party taking cocaine. I'm still angry about it eight years later. Mm. 
So I do understand in the documentary of Meghan where she says all this abuse is coming at me, mainly social yeah. media. It really, it, people don't think it's real, but it is real. Like a real person sat down and wrote, I saw Liz Jones taking cocaine at a party. Ha, 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 ha. Let's get her sacked. Yeah, there's no resolution to it, is it? Because anyone can say anything they like online. It's out there. It's in the ether. Everybody reads it, can form, form their own conclusions. You can and it, see how that's affected Megan. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't matter what you say, it's still out there. People have already formed their conclusions. You can say, no, it's not true. That's not fair. You know, you can do whatever you like, but it's still, it's a seed that's planted, isn't it? It's still out there. And in actual fact, there's nothing you can do about it. And I think that but it ruined is my new year. It made us have an awful argument. I was really upset. I was very stressed anyway because I think I was about to do Big Brother. I was it so was. on edge. I didn't need that no. from somebody who I don't know, and she just made something up. And to say to do, but it for she a had life. no consequences. No, and to say she thought it was funny. None of this. None of this online stuff is funny. None of it. If, if you can't just be positive and be nice, just don't log on. Just don't, because you don't know what you're doing to someone. No. You don't know how you're making someone feel. I hate it. I really hate it. I really hate it. You know, when that journalist wrote that I have sex with my cats and... Why wasn't she sacked? That was just horrendous. And that I'm the C word and that I'm Nana just because I'm a couple of years older her, but, you know, literally I'm half her body's weight. It was at a really difficult time. i just lost my nephew. Why attack me when I'm grieving? You know, it's just mean, isn't it? But why attack you anyway? Why attack you? Yeah, anyone? but what I mean is you don't know what someone's no, going through. No, no, no. And, it, and actually, do you know what? It doesn't make you look bigger. It doesn't make... Yeah, all right, when you joke and you're witty and you say nasty things and they're sort of funny and people laugh, it makes you feel good because you're getting positive attention. But actually, what you're doing is just being an ass. You know, it, yeah, it might be funny, it might be witty, but it's actually, it's just not nice. No. It's just, I mean, that wasn't funny and it wasn't witty. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that. But even when, you know, you're, you're just being horrible and people laugh at you and it's sort of okay and acceptable because people are laughing, but the reality is... It's actually not because it's still aimed at someone. Someone's still on the receiving end and it's still hurtful. But look how upset I was. No, it's just, it's just horrible. I just, just, if you can't be nice, just bugger off. Bugger off. Every week, lots of you get in touch telling me what you think about my life and my decisions. So I think it's only fair that you get to have your say here on the podcast too. If you'd like to get in touch, then go to lizjonesgoddess.com or tweet me at lizjonesgoddess. Should we move on to the letters? Let's move on. Let's move on. We've got... Diana, not the Diana, because she's no longer with us. What? Unless it's, unless it's some sort of divine intervention, so not the Diana... Diana says, your podcast has kept me going all year, through divorce, through losing my cat, through trying to comfort my daughter. My best means of escape has been once a week to put the earphones in, get in a bath and listen to you ladies. 
I'm going to coin Nick's face and say, next year is going to be my year. I'm going to be free and I'm going to be looking for new adventures. What are you most looking forward to? <sighs> what am I looking forward to? Um, I can't wait to read the Harry memoir. I can't wait for the winter season of Love Island. Are they going to be wearing cardigans? I think you need to aim a bit higher than this. Uh, She's looking for new adventures and, and her freedom from her marriage. You, you need to aim higher than Love Island. Um, let Teddy off the lead. That would be nice, yeah. See, that would be nice, yeah. What are you looking forward to then? Eating? Eating. <laughs> um, I've done a lot of that over Christmas. I am looking forward to the podcast awards. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm looking forward The awards party, the Oscars of the Press Awards. I'm looking forward to that. What are you wearing? I don't know. Where are we staying? At the moment, it could be a bit sack-like because my mum was very, very cookie over Christmas. She made lots of lovely things and, and it was rude not to eat them. So what are you going to wear to the awards? Poss possibly something that sort of just hangs from my neck at this stage. Something like the handmaiden's towel, that sort, of, the, the, that sort of thing at the moment. Or I can morph into the size 10 and it will be skin type sequins. Well, the podcast awards, which you just mentioned. Yes. We had a letter from a man... Yes, he not wasn't trying called to. David. He said, it's James, I'm not called David. Is that referring to my column where there were two <laughs> Davids? Was. You see, sometimes there are men like James, Ian. Ian, yeah, Ian's lovely. We love Ian. Ian wouldn't try and have sex with you while you're trying to read the time traveller's wife. No, he wouldn't. You'd need to beat him Ian's up with a, it. Ian's a nice man, a nice man. We love Ian. Anyway, James, not David, says, I hope you win the award for the podcast, but who will get the prize on their desk? That's obvious, isn't it? Me. No. No, you've got enough bloody prizes. I've got nothing, nothing, nothing. Nothing from the brownies? Nothing. I wasn't in the brownies. Guys? They let me in. No. Pony club? The only thing I was one was £2.90 on the Euro lottery last week. I got highly commended for Dress a Wooden Spoon. <laughs> at the horticultural show <laughs> which led to your illustrious fashion career <laughs> I dressed my wooden spoon in my Cindy's riding outfit she only had no she had did how many <laughs> how many legs did she have two <laughs> Oh, God. I shoved the little rubber do you remember the rubber riding boot from Sydney you had one shoved on Cindy, yes. I shoved it on. Oh, because it was a wooden spoon there, she only had one leg. She would have only had one so leg. So I, I shoved the rubber riding boot on the end of the spoon and tried to pin the hat on the top, and I got highly commended. I didn't have a Cindy doll. Guess what I had? Barbie. I had an action man. <laughs> it ruined me for the rest of my life. Now, everyone, this is serious. Oh, 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 oh. New Year's Eve. The scene, much as I moan about Nick, I do love her. Deep down. Deep down. <laughs> really Don't deep. spoil it. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> and I think a scene, which she's never seen, because I send her recommendations, she just ignores them and goes off and watches the Whitney Houston film, sums up female friendship as the end of the first Sex and the City film. 
where Miranda just got divorced. The husband's taken the son. She's alone on New Year's Eve. She phones Carrie. And even though Carrie was asleep, Carrie puts on her fur coat and her high heels and runs through the snow the length of Manhattan to see the ball drop with Miranda. And they hug each other and they eat Chinese food. And so I'm going to play you out with that most poignant scene about female friendship with the most beautiful version of this song. It's not Morgan Harkett, is it? Well, we could do him next week. Oh, God. Cup of kindness yet for all night. Happy New Year, everybody! It's going to be your year! Well, that's it from us this week. If you enjoyed listening to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, why not visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. I'll be back next Sunday. But for now, I'm Liz Jones. And I'm Nick. Goodbye. Goodbye.